0: If praying for the persecuted church this morning has kindled in you a desire to pray for them more regularly or or more faithfully, then I would encourage you to know that there are resources available to that end. One of the resources that we recommend most often around here is from Voice of the Martyrs, an organization that was started for that very purpose, to help the church hear their voice, the voice of those who are persecuted, and to Pray for them faithfully. You can go to their website. You can sign up for their uh, emails. There are all kinds of ways where you can pray very specifically for Christians around the world uh, who are persecuted for their faith. This morning, as we remember our brothers and sisters who are persecuted, I want you to remember that persecution is not only something that will exist out there. And so with that in mind, turn with me to John chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 15. I'll be reading verses 18 through 21. You'll find these verses on page 906. I'm sorry, I've got the wrong number there. 902, I think it is. John chapter 15, verses 18 through 21. Jesus says, speaking to his disciples on the night before he was about to be crucified, he says, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world... who sent me. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you, Jesus says. And Paul echoes this same theme in his letter to Timothy when he writes, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Let's pray then as we reflect upon these words of our Lord and Savior. Father God, we pray now that You would be with us that You would open our eyes to this truth, that You would prepare our hearts to receive it, and that You would even now be strengthening us to walk in it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I realize my time is short. Don't be too nervous. But I have two modest goals this morning. First, I want You, even as I've already said, I, I want You to understand that persecution is not merely something out there, but it is something that we will face in some degree as we seek to follow our Savior. When you join a PCA church, you you vow that you will endeavor to walk as becomes a follower of Christ. And you need to know that that resolve, that resolution to walk after Christ, to walk as Christ walked, will mean that you will suffer persecution even as he suffered persecution. But not only do I want to, to warn you that persecution is coming, I want to equip you to respond to it well. But first, let's, let's just start with this idea that you will face persecution when we hear those words, we, when we hear the language of, of persecution, inevitably we, we think of those whose lives and those whose whose property and whose freedom is threatened either by their government or, or by neighbors because they, they confess Jesus Christ as Lord. We, we think of those like, like Andrew Brunson, who are thrown in prison because he is a, a minister of the gospel, or we think of those like a, a, a lady whose story I read this week, Yai B in, in Vietnam, who has been cut off from her family and exiled from her village because she has turned to Jesus Christ in faith. That's what we think of when we think of persecution. And by God's grace, most of us have never yet faced that type of persecution. As the author of Hebrews says, we have not yet resisted to the the point of our property being plundered or our blood being shed. But if you seek to follow Christ, He (laughs) tells you to expect persecution Paul says, all who desire to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. If you confess Christ before men, even as we were talking about in Sunday school this morning, if you confess Christ before men as the reason for your hope, there are some people who will respond to that with joy and thanksgiving, and there are others who will hate you for it. Some will ridicule you. For your foolishness, some will despise you for your bigotry. Whether you're sharing the gospel with those who, in your neighborhood, whether you're you're confessing Christ before your coworkers in the your place of employment, whether you're confessing Christ uh, uh, in the public square, you will face. Persecution, And I think all of the signs suggest that in the coming years, that persecution will only increase. That the, the degree and the even type of persecution that we face will become more intense. We need to know this. We, we need to be prepared. We, we need to understand that if we follow Christ, the world will hate us. But what does it mean to be prepared for that? It's hard when people hate us. It's, it's hard when, when people treat us unkindly. We, we don't expect it. We, we don't like it. We don't always know how to respond. And so how do we make sense of the fact that persecution is coming? And how do we begin to prepare ourselves to, to face the persecution that is sure to come and I think there are two truths that we need to cling to there are two truths that that we need to 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 plant deep in our hearts to know and to believe and to cling to when the persecution comes that we even as we have prayed this morning that we might be able to stand firm in the face that we might be comforted that we might grow under the persecution and that we might even be a minister of grace to those who are persecuting And the first truth that we need to cling to is simply this. We need to know that persecution does not mean that God has forsaken us. That is our default response. When persecution comes, we know things ought not to be this way. And we wonder if God is all powerful, if God is all good, how could he let this happen? We believe in our natural self that persecution means God has forgotten us, that, that Jesus has abandoned us, that Jesus promised to, to be with us even to the end of the age, but that, but that He has failed to keep that promise. We need to know how to interpret our persecution. We, we need to doubt our doubts. I heard that phrase recently, and it, it really resonated with me. We doubt God when persecution comes, and we need to doubt that doubt because we need to hear it as the lie that it is. Think of Psalm 23, the, the great psalm that, that, that gives so many of us so much comfort that the Lord is our shepherd, that He is, is walking, uh, that He is watching out for us, that, that because He is for us, we shall not want. But think about what that Psalm says. That psalm says that there will be times when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And when we do, He is even then with us. Yes, He's with us when we lie in the green pastures. Yes, He is with us when we walk beside the still waters. But He is with us even in the valley of the shadow of death. Persecution does not mean that God has forsaken you but rather remember the words of Isaiah the prophet when the Lord speaks through him to tell his people, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. You are mine. So, when you pass through the waters, they will not overwhelm you. When you pass through the fires, they will not consume you. Persecution does not mean that God has... Forsaken. See, he told us that persecution was coming and his promise to be with us does not mean that we will not face the trouble, but that he will be with us through it. And so when we allow our troubles to cause us to doubt God's presence, we need to doubt our doubts. We need to expose them to the light. We need to remember the promise, not that we would not face trouble, but that he would be with us even in the midst of it. And it's not just that He's going to be with us in the midst of that trouble. The second truth we need to remember is that even in the midst of that trouble, He is working for our good. We need to to speak to our souls and to remind them and to, to teach them that persecution and suffering does not mean that our good has been lost, that our good has been forfeited, that God's purposes have been thwarted. The promise of Romans 8 still stands even in the midst of the tribulation. In fact, I would suggest to you, if you keep reading to the end of that chapter, you will see that the promise of Romans 8 is made especially to those who are facing persecution. That they might know that neither sword, nor tribulation, nor nakedness, nor nor any earthly harm that the world can bring against us can separate us from the love of God. In Christ Jesus. And it is His love for us that promises that He will work for our good. God is working even in and through the persecution. We don't naturally believe that. We know it when we're sitting here in our comfort. We, we believe it when we're sitting in the classroom. But when the troubles come, when the trials raise their ugly head, we begin to doubt and we need to doubt our doubts. We need to speak truth to the lies that, that, that seek to buffet our souls. We need to remind ourselves that no, trial, persecution, nakedness, famine, sword, these things cannot separate us from the love of God. These things cannot thwart God's purpose to work for our good. For the good that He is working for us is not health and, and wealth and prosperity here and now. We know that because Paul tells us, he tells us what it is that the good is that he is working for us. Immediately after telling us that that God is working for the good of those who love them, he says that that good is that they would be conformed to the image of Christ. That you would be like Christ. That you might have relationship with Him. That you might know Him deeply. And Paul says later in, in his letter to the Philippians that he is able to suffer the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, count them as losing nothing compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus. In Corinthians, he tells us that that he has in his trials, in his sentence, his, his feeling even a sentence unto death, in the midst of that, he has known the comfort of Christ, That He has been drawn into closer relationship with Him. That He has come to know firsthand. That His grace is sufficient. So that He can write in His letter to the Corinthians, even what Sam prayed earlier, that the persecutions that we face, the trials and the afflictions we face, the suffering that we face in this life is not worth comparing to the eternal weight of glory, not just that is waiting for us, but that is being prepared for us by those very sufferings. And so again, when we face the trials that are sure to come, when we suffer for the name of Christ, We need to doubt the doubts that that suffering raises in our heads. We need to speak the truth to those doubts. We need to to preach to those doubts. We need to remind them of the truth that that suffering does not mean that God has forsaken us. And that suffering does not mean that He is not now working for our good, but that even in this suffering, He is drawing us close. That this suffering itself is actually an instrument in the Redeemer's hands. And when you hear the persecuted church When you you hear the the requests that they bring, that's what they ask us to pray. Yes, they they ask us to pray that the persecution would be lifted. Yes, they ask us to, to be delivered. But more than that, they pray and pray that we would be comforted. Pray that we would know Christ. Pray that we would be conformed to His image. Pray that we would learn to love even as He has loved us. Because we know that this is the good that He has for us. And if He is getting us to that good even through this suffering, then we receive it not as pleasant in itself. Again, I love the words of 1 Peter that we used as our confession. We, we grieve in that suffering. We groan in that suffering. But even as we grieve and groan, we rejoice because we know God is at work. Because we know what Jesus promised that blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God." Persecution is one of the tools that God uses in this broken world to bind us to Himself. Therefore, may we receive it not as good in itself, but as an instrument of discipline in our loving Father's hands, that He might draw us close to Himself, that He might open our hearts to know Him, And that He might teach us to entrust ourselves to Him fully and without reservation. Because the persecution we face does not mean He has forgotten us. It does not mean that He has forgotten our good. But rather it means that He even now is at work. Conforming us to the image of His Son. That we might know fellowship with Him both now and for all eternity. And because God is able to work such a good, even in the midst of suffering, that is why we call this Good News. Do you believe that? Amen. Let us believe it together. Father God, we come before You now in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, asking for the grace to doubt our doubts. Father, we admit that in our weakness, persecution and suffering raise all kinds of questions, all kinds of doubts in our mind. Father, we pray that You would give us the strength to doubt our doubts and to preach to them the Gospel, to expose to them the light that we might stand firm in the faith that we have been taught, that we might be unmoved from the hope of the Gospel that we have believed, that we might claim the promise that even in the face of persecution, You are working all things together for the good of those who love You. Father, may this be our solid hope, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.